Hello everyone and welcome to the podcast, Casting Down Idols. This is a podcast where we talk about addiction and recovery from a biblical perspective. I'm your host, Pastor Mike Dixon. I've been clean and sober now for over 30 years, and you can too. The blessed hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ offers you the power you need to change, to be transformed forever. You do not have to stay the way that you are. And so I pray this podcast is a blessing to you. I pray it's an encouragement to you as you continue on this road called recovery. Listen and be blessed. Welcome back to the podcast today. I am so glad that you're listening in on this episode. I want to share with you today really what was a recent life addiction recovery program lesson that we talked about and discussed in group. I just think this is so powerful. It's actually lesson number 26 or week number 26 in the life curriculum and it's entitled No More Excuses. You know, we all make excuses, don't we? I mean, let's be honest. Every single one of us can be real good at making excuses, whether it's I'm too tired or I'm too weak or this is too hard or this situation is too difficult or whatever the excuse may be. I think all of us from time to time make excuses. Just think about a moment, the excuses that you're so good at making. You know, what are your favorite excuses to make? I really believe that our excuses that we present are directly connected to lies that we're believing in our hearts. Jesus talked about that in John chapter 8. He talked about the fact the enemy is a liar and he's the father of all liars. He also says, as recorded in John chapter 8 and verse 32, that you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. So if the truth sets you free, a lie is going to put you in bondage. And when excuses are connected to lies that we're believing to be true, that's going to lead to bondage. And so just think about the connection there with me just a moment. Excuses we present are connected to lies we're believing. Thus, it leads us into bondage, not into freedom. Years ago, there was a Southern gospel song. I believe it was recorded by the Kingsman about excuses. Excuses why many times we don't attend church the way that we ought to attend church. And the first few lines of that song, listen to these words the song that the Kingsman recorded. It says, excuses, excuses, you'll hear them every day. And the devil, he'll supply them if from church you'll stay away. When people come to know the Lord, the devil always loses. So to keep them folks away from church, he offers them excuses. Now, I think that's pretty good. I know a lot of people, I have even been guilty in the past, make excuses for not coming to church the way they ought to be coming to church. But it's not just church attendance that we make excuses for. Many times we make excuses to justify wrong behavior or to relieve ourselves of personal responsibility, to keep us from doing what we know we ought to be doing or getting to where we know we ought to be getting according to God's will and God's plan for our lives. What does it mean to make an excuse? Well, to offer an excuse is simply to attempt to justify a mistake, a failure, or we use our excuses to try and lighten the load of guilt or punishment related to our actions. You know, in the Bible, 
We see how God promises victory for all those who trust in him. Our life program is based on the latter part of John chapter 10, verse 10, where Jesus said, I've come to give life and to give it more abundantly. He wants us to walk in overflowing life. He wants to give us and wants us to receive that abundant life. And yet so many believers are not walking, not living in that abundant life simply because we're not where God would have us to be. We're not necessarily walking in obedience and not walking in obedience motivates us to want to make excuses for why we're not walking in obedience. Consider a biblical example. I think about 1 Samuel chapter 13. We've got the biblical record of how the Philistines were gathering together, preparing to fight against God's chosen people, the people of Israel. And Saul is actually king over Israel during this time. And Saul was there with the people of God, the Israelites, and he sees the Philistines gathering around them. And uh, before Saul leads the people into battle, he needs to wait for Samuel, the prophet of God, to arrive. So Samuel can come and offer a burnt offering and a sacrifice unto God to bless the people before the people of God go against the Philistines in this battle. And the scripture says in 1 Samuel chapter 13 that Samuel waits. He waits a certain amount of days and Samuel doesn't show. And so Saul gets antsy and he decides, well, you know, Samuel hadn't made it on time. So I guess I'm going to have to do the role of a, of a prophet and a priest. I guess I'm going to have to step in and offer the burnt offering myself. Now, Saul was never commissioned to do the work of a prophet or a priest. He was supposed to wait for Samuel to arrive so Samuel could do what he was commissioned to do. And so Saul does the work that only Samuel should have done because Samuel's not there. And then Samuel shows up after the fact. It's in 1 Samuel chapter 13 and verse 11. Samuel said, why have you done this? And Saul said, when I saw that the people were scattered from me and that you did not come within the days appointed and that the Philistines gathered together at mishmash, then I said, the Philistines will now come down to me at Gilgal. And I have not made supplication to the Lord. Then listen to what King Saul said. He said, therefore, I felt compelled and offered a burnt offering. Then Samuel said to Saul, you have done foolishly. You have not kept the commandment of the Lord your God, which he commanded you. I want you to listen again to what Samuel or what Saul rather said, what his excuse was for doing what he had no permission, no authority to do, what he was supposed to wait for Samuel to come and do. He says, therefore, I felt compelled. Did you get that? King Saul allowed his emotions to lead him and control him instead of doing and acting and living in obedience to God's law and God's will. How many times do we do the same thing? How many times have you and I been guilty of allowing our emotions to control us instead of the Holy Spirit of God? And so we end up doing what we feel like doing, and we end up not doing what we know we ought to do simply because we don't feel like doing it, and, and vice versa. We allow our emotions and our feelings to control us many times instead of just being obedient to God and what God has called us to do. You know, I think about people in recovery who are trying to break free from some kind of addictive behavior in the past. They, they can make all kinds of excuses too, like I'm too weak or I just can't cope with life. You know, they, they use it as an escape or as a coping strategy or I'm tired of people trying to control me. 
or recovery is a disappointment. I've heard that from people in recovery because they have this grandiose idea of what recovery ought to be like, and then once they're in recovery, they're disappointed because it's not quite as good as they have visualized in their mind. And so they say, well, it's a disappointment. So they fall back into the old patterns. We've got to learn to be determined. No more excuses. No more excuses for not doing what God has called me to do. No more excuses for not bringing honor and glory to God. You know, I think about the book of Genesis. I think it's over in Genesis chapter 3 where Adam and Eve are in the Garden of Eden. And you remember the text there of how Satan came in the form of a serpent and tempted Adam and Eve. And Eve's the first one to fall into temptation. She's guilty of sin. And then she offers the forbidden fruit to Adam, and Adam disobeys God, and so now both of them are guilty of disobeying God, and they run and hide because for the first time they're ashamed of their nakedness. They've got guilt and shame upon them because they have sinned against God. God shows up in the garden, and he calls their name, has difficulty uh, has difficulty finding them. Well, I, I kind of say that, but God doesn't have difficulty doing anything. I guess Adam and Eve had difficulty hiding from God because finally they're confronted with God, and God says, you know, why have you done this. Remember the excuses that they made? Adam, first of all, he gave the excuse. He said, it's this woman that you gave me. That's his excuse. It's this woman that you gave me that tempted me and caused me to fall. And then when God looks to Eve and says, why have you done this thing? She points to the serpent. She says, it was that snake in the grass that caused me to disobey you. Excuses, excuses. You know what Adam and Eve are doing? As recorded in the book of Genesis, they're passing the buck. They're saying, oh, it's not my fault. Listen, my friend, the first step in recovery, you've got to begin to take responsibility for your own failures and your own sin. You've got to own up to your own mistakes. You've got to take responsibility. First John chapter 1 and verse 9 says, if you admit and confess your sin, God says, I am going to be faithful to forgive you. But you've got to come to the place, first of all, that first step where you realize, you know what? No more excuses. This is my fault. I'm taking responsibility for this sin, for this failure, for this relapse. It's my fault. God, forgive me. And then you need to go to those that you've harmed and you've hurt by your sin, and you need to seek their forgiveness as well. And since the very beginning of time, this excuse, it's not my fault. It's somebody else's fault. Does that sound familiar? You know, maybe you've made that excuse. I know there's a lot of people around us in our society today who live according to that excuse. Oh, don't look at me. It's not my fault. It's somebody else's fault. Blame my dysfunctional upbringing or blame the trauma I experienced as a child or blame my mom and daddy who raised me or blame my grandparents or blame the sorry breaks that I've experienced in life. I just can't get a good break. Blame your environment. This blame game has been going on since the very beginning of time. And I just believe somebody's listening to this episode today, and maybe that's how you've been living. Maybe you have refused to take responsibility for your own failures, your own shortfalls. And so the very first thing you need to do, no more excuses. I'm not blaming anybody else. I'm going to own up to it. I'm going to step up to the plate. I'm going to begin to deal with my sin. I'm going to stop making the excuse, it's not my fault. I thought about over in Exodus chapter 3. This is the account where Moses meets God 
on the backside of the wilderness. Remember, Moses lived to be 120 years old. And you can actually take Moses' life and you can divide his life, that 120 years, in three, in three segments of time, 40 years each. 40 plus 40 plus 40 is 120. The first 40 years of Moses' life, he lived in the palace in the temple in Egypt. Remember how when he was a baby, he was in a basket, that ark, and in the river, and the princess found him, the Egyptian princess. He ends up growing up in the palace of the Egyptians the first 40 years. But then he goes out at 40 years old into Egypt, and he ends up murdering an Egyptian. And so now he's a marked man. Now he's a wanted man. And Moses runs for his life now that he's a murderer and everybody's looking for him. He runs for his life. He spends the second 40 years of his life on the backside of the wilderness taking care of sheep, hiding out. And then the last 40 years in his life, he lives doing what God has called him to do. He lives as a prophet, as a leader of the people of God. But it's during that second 40 years. So between the age of 40 and 80, in that 40-year segment in Moses' life, when he's out on the backside of the wilderness, the Bible says in Exodus chapter 3 that God meets Moses through the burning bush. Now, no doubt you remember this story, how the bush was burning, yet it wasn't consumed. And Moses began to approach the bush, and God spoke through the bush, and he said, Moses, you're on holy ground. Take off your, take off your sandals. And Moses takes off his sandals, and God speaks to Moses through the bush. And really what God's telling Moses through the burning bush is, Moses, I have heard the cry of my people, the Israelites, I know they're in bondage in Egypt. I'm going to answer their prayer after all these years. I'm going to deliver them, and I need a deliverer. I'm calling you to be the deliverer. Moses, I want you to go to Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. I want you to stand before that king, and I want you to demand that he let my people go. Now, Moses was all about making excuses. He's like, God, I'm not the one that you want to call for this task. In fact, in Exodus chapter 3, down in verse 11, Here's the first excuse that Moses made why he ought not to do what God told him to do. Moses says in Exodus chapter 3 verse 11, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? You know, Moses is saying, God, I'm just a nobody. I'm just a nobody. You know, I like that song that we hear uh, sometimes on the radio. I'm just a nobody trying to tell everybody about somebody who saved my soul. Moses makes the excuse. He says, I'm just a nobody. Don't you think God knew who Moses was and who he wasn't even better than Moses did? God knew. In fact, God responded in verse 12. He said, he said, but I'll be with you. This shall be a sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. And so when Moses makes that first excuse and he says, I'm just a nobody, God says, well, it's not about you anyway, Moses. It's about me and I'm going to be with you every step of the way. You know, that same promise is for us today. Our Lord has promised, I'm going to be with you till the end of the age. I'm never going to leave you, never going to forsake you. Well, Moses still goes on to make excuses why he can't do what God wants him to do. In the very next verse, in Exodus chapter 3 and verse 13, Moses said to God, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? 
Now, I thought about that excuse that Moses made and, you know, really what Moses is saying to God, he's saying, God, I can't do, I can't be who you want me to be. I can't do what you want me to do because people are going to ask me questions and I'm not going to have the answer. Well, God responds to that excuse too. And he says, I am who I am. And he said, say to this people of Israel, I am has sent, has sent me to you. That's the answer you're supposed to give them, Moses. The I am. That means I always have been, always will be. I am the eternal God. Moses, when they ask you who sent you, you tell them that the great eternal one, the God of creation, the God of the Bible, the God of Israel sent you. And the Lord goes on in the latter part of Exodus chapter 3 and tells Moses, I have promised my people abundance. I have promised my people we're going to lead them into the land flowing with milk and honey. I've got a promised land, the land of Canaan waiting for my people, but they've got to walk out of Egypt. And so Moses, I'm calling you to lead them out of bondage into the promised land. My friend, God has promised good things for you. God's got a land of abundance. God's got a land flowing with milk and honey. God wants to bless your life. And I'm not talking about necessarily with material things. God wants to give you things of eternal value. God wants to deposit deposit into your life, into your heart, into your being, everything that's good, everything that's great, everything that's godly, everything that's going to last forever, purpose and joy and fulfillment and peace and love and joy, the fruits of the Holy Spirit. God wants to lead us into this promised land. Even as born-again believers, we can live our lives missing the promised land. Are you hearing me? We can live our lives putting our faith and trust in Jesus Christ and yet never really living in that abundant life, never really entering into our inheritance, that, that place of milk and honey, of God's blessing upon our lives. Well, the excuses aren't over yet. Moses already told God, I'm just a nobody. God says, don't worry about that. It's not about you. It's about me. I'm going to go with you. And then Moses says, well, they're going to ask me questions and I'm not going to have all the answers. And God again says, listen, it ain't about you anyway. It's all about me. I'm going to, I'm going to not only be with you, but when they ask you who sent you, you just tell them God Almighty sent you. I am sent you. In Exodus chapter four, verse one, Moses goes on and he makes his third excuse to God. While he doesn't think he can do what God is calling him to do. In Exodus chapter 4 verse 1, Moses said, But behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice, for they will say, The Lord did not appear to you. God, they're not going to believe me. And the Lord goes on in response to that third excuse that's recorded in Exodus chapter 4. And the Lord tells him, Moses, okay, Moses, what's in your hand? And Moses says, A staff. God says, okay, throw the staff on the ground. And when he does, the staff became a serpent. You know what Moses did in response to that? It's recorded in Exodus chapter 4 and verse 3. The Bible says Moses ran from it. That's what I like to do when I see a snake. Can I get a witness? I don't know if that's how you respond to snakes, but when Moses threw the rod, the staff down on the ground, it turned into a snake. The Bible says he ran from it. And God tells him in Exodus chapter 4 and verse 4, the Lord said, put out your hand and catch it by the tail. Now, I'm not a snake handler, and the churches I pastor are not snake handling churches. Amen. Praise the Lord. But I understand from people that do handle snakes is the proper way to grab a snake is not by the tail of the snake. You know, sometimes God instructs us to do things that maybe we don't understand. Now, why does God want me to do it this way? 
Why would God have me pick up this snake by the tail? Why shouldn't I grab the snake by the right behind the head, you know, so he can't turn around and bite you? Sometimes God will call us to do things and we don't understand exactly why God has called us to do these things. Well, uh, the Lord said, grab the snake by the tail and Moses does that and it turns back into the staff. These are signs that God's given Moses miracles that he's going to be able to perform inside of the people when they don't believe his story that God has actually called him to lead the people out of Israel. And then the Lord says, take your hand and put it inside your cloak or inside your your garment. And when he pulled his hand out, it looked like it had leprosy. It was as white as snow. And then God said, put your hand back into your cloak. And he did. And he pulled it out and it was healthy, just like the rest of his flesh. And God said, when they won't believe you, you give them these signs. Then there was a third sign. God said, take some water out of the Nile River and throw it on the ground. And when he did that, it became blood on the dry ground. These are all miracles that God gave Moses to help convince the people that Moses was from God and the story that Moses was telling was true. Well, Moses is not finished making excuses. Excuses, excuses. We can make them every day, can't we? He goes on in Exodus chapter 4, verse 10, and he gives another excuse to God. He says, oh, my Lord. Now Moses is getting a little bit more polite with God, right? He knows God's patience is probably running out or running thin. He says, oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent either in the past or since you have spoken to your prophet, but I am slow of speech and of tongue. Moses is saying there, I'm not a gifted speaker. It's interesting that in my testimony, growing up as a child in elementary school, I had a terrible speech impairment. In fact, my speech impairment was so bad, my own grandmother could not understand what I would try to tell her when I would speak to her. I had to go through speech therapy at a very young age to learn how to talk properly. And so I can relate to Moses. You know, it's interesting who God calls in. And God would call me to be a, a preacher, to be his messenger. And as a kid, I couldn't even talk in a way that my grandmother could un- understand me. And so Moses says, he uses really the same excuse. He says, oh, I'm not a good speaker. I'm not gifted. You know what God says? Who made your mouth? Who are you, Moses, to tell me that you're not a good speaker? I know you better than you know yourself. I'm the one who created your mouth. I am the Lord God. I'll be in control of your mouth. Well, down in verse 13 of the fourth chapter, Moses makes, he he begins to make one more excuse. Now listen to this in Exodus 4, verse 13. But Moses said, oh my Lord, oh my Lord, please send somebody else. Send anybody but me. That's what Moses is saying. The very next verse, verse 14 says, then the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. That's why it was his last excuse. Moses began to realize Man, God's getting angry at me. I need to, I need to stop the excuses. No more excuses. There comes a time where your excuses becomes nothing but blatant disobedience to God. You keep making excuses, you'll cross that line. God's anger will begin to be kindled against you because it's one excuse after another excuse. And God responds to Moses in the latter part of chapter 4 in Exodus. He says, okay, you're saying you're not a gifted speaker. Well, I'm going to send Aaron to speak for you, your brother Aaron. I'm going to bring him up along beside you to take up your slack. God gives us everything we need. God provides for us people that we need to take up our slack too. When God's called you to a task, he's going to bring those errands up beside you, those people that can come up alongside of you and minister with you in what God has called you to do, just like in recovery. God's already brought the resources in. 
God's already brought those errands in to your life to help you. Now, they may be people like family that love you. It could be the life group that you're part of. It could be your therapist. It could be your counselor. It could be resources. It could be uh, the recovery workbook that you're working through, the Word of God, the Holy Spirit, the host of angels, uh, those people that hold you accountable. I want you to think about all those things that God has already placed around you, not so you'll be defeated, but so you'll be more than a conqueror and enter into the promised land that God has called you to. When you step out and you begin to do, do what God's called you to do, stop making excuses. God wants you to be clean. God wants you to be pure. God wants you to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. God doesn't want you to be controlled by poison or by drug or by alcohol or by pornography or by greed. God wants you to be controlled only by his precious Holy Spirit. That's God's calling upon every one of us as born-again believers. And I'm just telling you, on the authority of the Word of God, we can be right there. We can walk in that truth. We can be everything that God wants us to be. No more excuses. I'm going to receive God's truth and walk in it as God leads me in, not to a place of cursing and not into a place of judgment, but into a land flowing with milk and honey. God wants good things for your life, my friend. God wants you. God wants you to be more than a conqueror, and he's already brought into your life all you need to get the job done. Now, I thought about Aaron coming up along beside Moses to help him where it comes to public speaking. And Aaron didn't necessarily start the journey with Moses. But God's bringing Aaron in exactly where Aaron needs to be brought in. And sometimes it's like that in our lives. Maybe from the very beginning of the journey, we don't see it. But when we get to that point where we actually need this thing or we need this person, God provides exactly what we need exactly when we need it. So stop making excuses. You know, I thought about those excuses in Exodus chapter 3 and 4 that Moses made to God, and we can be guilty of making the exact same excuses. Lord, who am I that you would send me? Who am I that you would save me? Who am I that you would call me? Lord, I'm just a nobody. Lord, they're going to ask me questions. I'm not going to have all the answers. You know, it's all right not to have all the answers. I believe it's a, it's a courageous thing to do to just simply be honest. When people seek advice from you or ask you questions, you don't know the answers. It's a courageous stand to say, you know, I don't know. I don't know what the answer to that is, but come on, we'll pray about it. We'll seek God. God's able to give us the answer that we need. And really, that's the response to Moses' excuse there. Well, I won't have all the answers. They'll ask me questions. God's saying, well, I've got the answers. You don't have to have the answers. You know, it's all right not to have all the answers as long as you know the one who does hold all the answers. And so come, let's come to God and let's pray about it. Let's ask God for the answer that we seek. We make these same excuses. They won't believe me. I remember when I first got saved back in my late 20s out of drug addiction and alcoholism and all the sin that was destroying my life, you know, and I got saved. Even my wife, Melissa, will testify to this day. She would say, Mike, when you first got saved, those first, that first year or so, I was thinking, well, you know, I'm just going to wait and see. You know, I'm just going to wait and see. When's he going to fall back? When he's going, when is he going back to the bars? When's he going back to using, you know, just kind of, just kind of walking on pins and needles? And not just Melissa, but everybody around me. I remember uh, my buddies I used to get get drunk with and get high with and used to use with. They're just waiting. Mike's not back this Friday night, but, you know, we know he's probably coming back. We're just going to give him a little bit of time. We're just going to wait and see. They didn't believe. I told them I'm saved. 
My sins are forgiven. I've got the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm not returning back to that drug life, back to that life I lived before I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. They did not believe me. And a lot of times we can use that as an excuse. Even to relapse, we begin to say, well, you know, everybody doesn't believe me anyway. They don't trust me anyway. They're already accusing me of something I'm not doing, so I just as well go and do it. Are you hearing me? That's an excuse from the pits of hell. You know what you need to do? If people don't trust you and you're frustrated by that, instead of making excuses to go back and do what you know you don't need to be doing, to go back to that old life that's going to steal, kill, and destroy, what you need to do is be so determined. No more excuses. I'm going to show these people. I'm going to show them what I'm saying is true. I'm going to prove it to them. They don't believe me now, but they're going to believe me because I'm going to walk in faithfulness. I'm not turning back. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. How about I'm not gifted? Lord, I don't have what I need. I don't have what I need. That's an excuse that we often use. That's an excuse that Moses made. I know, my friend, God gives us everything that we need. God told Moses, did I not make your mouth? God created you. God knows your heart. God knows your struggles better than you know your struggles. And God has given you everything that you need to be everything that God wants you to be. My prayer for you today is that you'll simply be determined. No more excuses. Think about those excuses that you make. And think how really those excuses are rooted into a lie. When you begin to think, well, you know, I'm not gifted enough. Well, that's a lie because God's word says he's given you all that you need to be more than a conqueror. You know, 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13, no temptations laid hold on you that's not common to man, but God will with the temptation make a way of escape that you might be strong to bear up under it patiently. That's a promise from God. You know, you've got all that you need to be everything God wants you to be. Walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. Be determined today. No more excuses. I'm going to lay my excuses on the altar. No more excuses. I'm going to begin to trust God, walk with God, no matter what. No turning back. No turning back. I want to pray with you. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank and praise you for your blessed word. I thank you for loving us. I thank you, Lord, for being a God who is patient. I thank you, Lord, for giving us all that we need to be everything that you want us to be. And I pray for every listener to this episode, Lord, today. Maybe it's drug addiction. Maybe it's alcoholism. Lord, maybe it's pornography. Maybe it's just self-centeredness. Maybe it's overeating. Lord, I don't know what it may be. Maybe it's smoking. Uh, Maybe it's a nicotine addiction. Maybe it's a sugar addiction. Lord, whatever it is that's holding these people captive, I'm praying according to the power of your Holy Spirit and the wisdom of your word that, Lord, those chains are beginning to fall off, that, Lord, they'll be broken, that uh, these men and women, these young people, they'll walk in freedom. They'll be determined today. I'm going to stop making excuses. Instead of trying to justify my ungodliness, I'm going to take responsibility for my own failures. It's my sin. It's my weakness. It's my fault. It's my shortcoming. Lord God, it's my sin and I'm going to deal with it under the shed blood of Jesus Christ and I'm going to walk in holiness. I'm going to be who you want me to be to bring you honor and glory God. Starting right now today, no more excuses. I pray in Jesus name. Amen. I want you to be blessed. I want you to walk in freedom. I want you to be everything God wants you to be. I want you to trust God. He's leading you into a place flowing with milk and honey. God wants good things 
for your life. I'd love to hear from you. Again, the website is lifeaddictionrecovery.com. You can also reach me through the website or you can email me at mikelifeaddictionrecovery at gmail.com. I know that's a long one. I'll say it again. mikelifeaddictionrecovery at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to partner with you in prayer. If there's anything I can do to lift up to the Father, let me know how I can minister with you and to you in the wonderful discipline of prayer. God bless you. Be faithful this week. If you're enjoying the podcast, don't forget to like it. Give us a review on iTunes. If you'd do that for us, maybe even a five-star review, if you feel like you can do that, that'll help us reach more people. Lord bless you. Lord keep you. I pray you'll be faithful. No more excuses. We're going to walk in victory.